All right, let me give one more scenario. I'll take it home. Let Brandy take over this. Um, so here's one that I've dealt with. And we talked about, Rick, you had mentioned that when you have that individual who's just toxic, right? And the best way to address it is just get him out of the unit. Get him out of the situation, you know, because you want to look at the, the greater good of the unit as a whole. Right. So how do we deal with that situation where you, this individual has this toxicity that every time they show up to work, it, it changes the dynamics of the teamwork altogether, right? But the minute he's gone, let's say he's just not working that day, everybody's more friendly, everybody's more happy, everybody's more calm. But your impression or your understanding that if you step up and try to get him out as the new leader here, A, it, it questions your integrity from the rest of the unit. So I guess my question is, at what point do you say get rid of him? in the sacrifice of your own reputation versus just putting up with this toxic day on a shift basis. Yeah. You know what? I think it's, a, I think as in, depending on the individual leader's skill set, it's, it's really an integrity issue because I don't, I, and it gets back to that communication element. I see no problem with a leader when the whole environment is changing. Uh, first, First, you're the leader, so you need to be the first level. Then a second, you need a sec. There's a second level to this too, but the first leader is talking to that guy and telling him. You know, I talked about the four quadrants of knowledge, telling him what he doesn't know that he needs to know, and say, "Hey, look, buddy, I don't know if you realize this, but everybody's on pins and needles around you. When you walk into this place, the, the, the dynamics in the station totally change, and." I, I want to help you work through that because it's not helpful to the team. And then maybe that little bit of information might help him with his self-awareness so that he's looking around the room now and he is noticing how things are changing or how people are avoiding eye contact or, or, or whatever dynamics there are there. And you can help bring awareness to him that he can repair his actions. Um, secondarily, and it only works, honestly, if you have a, a trusted, strong relational bond with your downline, but you can, it, it, it's still not progressing like you need it to talk to two or three of your guys and, and ha- have them have that same conversation. Hey, hey, John, I don't know if you realize this, but man, when you, when you come in a room, everybody gets contentious. That's all you ever see. You don't see when you're not out of the room. This is a good group of guys. You change everything. And, and, and that pause that, that, well, that would be negative reinforcement, but that negative reinforcement might open his eyes. Um, I think once you, if you can get to that second level and things still aren't changing, then it's, then it's time to transfer, fire, reprimand, et cetera. Yeah, I think two thing, one of two things is going to happen in this scenario. Either, number one, you as the individual that have realized this toxic person is uh, being a detriment to the unit, you're going to leave because leadership is not doing anything about the issue. Or if the leadership values you as a team member, they're going to find a solution to the problem. And if they don't find a solution to this problem, it's a clear indicator to you as the individual that this organization might not be for you. So back to the self-awareness and everyone being a leader in some aspect, you have to take care of yourself as well. So once you realize that the leadership or the organization isn't there to support you, uh, you know, it might be time to find a different team to work with. Yeah. 
So let me add to that real quick. Ready for it? Uh, this gentleman that you're trying to handle, his father is your boss. Man, oh man, it should make it. It should make it. It should make a difference. Uh, it but shouldn't. I know, but in but the politics he, line, it exists. Uh, yeah, I know it. Politics are the evil of organizational structure. They really are. Um, that that brings the complexity up by a thousand. Um, a frank conversation with my supervisor to say, "Hey, I want to talk to you about something. I want to see if it's me. You're taking a humble stance." If it's me or if you see the same things in your, you know, nephew, son, cousin, whatever, uh, because there's some dynamics at the station that I'm really not happy with ones going on. I'm the first to admit if it's a personality conflict that I have with the guy, uh, I need just, and you, you know him better than I do. So maybe you can help put perspective on this. Give honor where honors do. He may come back and say, you're absolutely right. The guy's an absolute idiot. You know, you want me to have him transferred? Yes, please. Thank you. Done. Problem solved. You may see, uh, I, man, I don't know. He's the, he's the nicest guy. Uh, yeah, or not. Then you're in trouble because you got to figure out some way to politically maneuver that. Um, but yeah, that's, that's what I would do. I'd go to him and say, look, is it me or is it, you know, rely on his, uh, input. Yeah, that's that's a tough curveball for this scenario. But I think there's a couple things working for you in this information age, um, at least in the small communities that we work for uh, within the service industry is word of mouth. So organizations are going to talk and you're going to realize that, you know, this is either a trend or, you know, uh, folks are leaving the organization left and right because of this scenario. And there's a reason why. And then you go to the corporate side, you've got uh, websites like Glassdoor where employees can leave reviews on who they work with, what team they worked on, and uh, overall um, thoughts on the company and how it operates. I mean, you can't escape that reputation nowadays. So uh, I think it comes down to educating folks on the resources they have to research these organizations and then making a decision that's best for you. If you can tolerate the behavior because of your specific scenario, maybe you're a year or two away from retirement and you're just going to deal with it, that's fine. But if you're new to the team and you've got your whole career ahead of you, there's nothing wrong with going to find something that's better fit for you. Randy, I put the spotlight on you. I think we need to hear from our fire chief here. Ah, there you go. <laughs> so Rick, uh, when, as, as we're chatting here, probably two minutes now, um, Tyler, our other co-host finally made it. So we told everybody that you were out fishing on the side of the road. Um, Welcome, Tyler, first off. And we're doing the educational aspect of leadership. So the scenario based. Um, So now you being a newly appointed deputy chief in Michigan, um, how do you handle a individual who is a yes man? Like, I will tell you yes to anything you ask me to do, but I fade away because I don't have confidence in you and just bring it close. Yeah. Well, the yes man to clarify, I guess what I'm trying to understand the yes man that says yes to everything, but does fade away, but does disagree with you. Is, is that where you're getting at? Yes. The disagreement <laughs> part. That's not con- the non-confrontational <laughs> disagreement parts. Yes. Do I do the job? No. But I just tell you yes. 
Yeah. Hey, go go mop the kitchen. Yes. Yeah. But it's not done. You know well, why? Well, because completing I don't trust a task it. is one thing, but the ones that I, I I try to watch the most are the ones that do complete the task but still don't buy buy into your lead. Not, and not saying they have to buy into it, but they the, they don't want to, or for for a personal reason. So because those are the ones that are the hardest to identify. Obviously, the one you just listed is easy to identify because the task didn't get completed. So I can get it kind of ahead of that and try to, you know, take the simple steps on up that's required to address that. So, but immediately, and I just want to throw this in there, I guess, um, only because not that I haven't identified it. I just I have a a a fellow guy in the industry that is a yes man doesn't always buy in it but he completes his task and he does it and I'm just trying to you know mitigate the burnout effect you know you try to find that way because that's the worst thing I think you know like I say the task doesn't get completed I can see that obviously and then we can address that because there's a physical action that wasn't completed but it's the mental stuff that man he's just He's going to eventually start shopping around or he's going to quit altogether. And he's great at what he does because he's so good. He does the task even when he doesn't want to or when he's not bought in or the yes man effect. So, so I guess you specifically be a great example because you're how long you've been appointed to the spot? Oh, since April. Since April. And how do you handle the individuals who have more time? Right, because that's always a thing we have had in your and I's career together in the original Fire Academy in Michigan. Um, how do we handle the thing of like this is an old man's job, but we're the younger guys? How do we gain that trust? That's a hard because trust is an individual basis in my book. It's it's very individual. Individual. In, there's that's the hardest. I think. To kind of like equate it to something, being an EMT is not hard. It's working with a dozen different medics and figuring out how to work with them. That's the tough part. So the same goes for leadership. You know, being in charge or, or leading tasks for a group of individuals, it's it's not hard. It's figuring out how to do that with that whole group of individuals. So Amen to that. Um when, especially in my case, because there is usually an age gap um, between uh, myself and other members that have been on in seniority and just physical age, the best thing I can do for it, or I ever did, was, you know, you, you did the little things right when you were new, and they, they respected that out the gate. The quicker you can get to that, doing the little things right, and making that reputation for yourself of always doing the right thing and always doing the extra thing. They got that from the minute and they had no issues with how, you know, the leadership cards kind of fell at this point. Um, when you're kind of rule and you're not, you know, a true full-time department, it's, it's kind of easier because the, the guys with more seniority, they're either going to be in that position because they want it to be, um, or they had to be because no one underneath them wanted to. So the guys in my, you know, that have that age gap with me, you know, they were busy, their lives are established, and they're kind of in their comfort zone. They never wanted to be where, 
you know, I'm at and a couple other individuals have pushed themselves to be. So, but by doing the little things right from day one, you know, that kind of helped with the respect thing. Don't be afraid to do that job. If you kind of ask, hey, can we get this completed? And maybe that's a younger person task. And it shouldn't always be looked at, you know, who should be doing the task by their, you know, who they are, their age or anything. You can't throw that a task as a task. But, you know, I got no problem just kind of grinning at them when it doesn't get done efficiently and going and doing that task. And they're looking at you like, oh, well, you know, if they don't take that as a challenge, then that's that's where the respect thing goes. And I go, okay, now I know where I can address that. You know, we're going to have to work towards that. Not that I'm going to dump least desirable task on that individual, but, sure. you know, don't always just, the first thing a lot of people like to do in a position, you know, a newly found position. And as I'm working my way through it, navigating, I'm not great at it, you know, but is, you know, you didn't do that task that I requested in the manner I was hoping to get it done in to kind of snap or to get, you know, try to bolden, broaden up, you know, try to take the softer step first. And then you usually you can feel that person out or feel that, you know, where they're coming from and everything. So Absolutely. Oh, that's great. And we wish you had, we had you here for the past two hours because we went through a lot of information, yeah, a lot of knowledge. <laughs> Uh, from both of them, you know, uh, Rick over over there on the uh, virtual end, and then uh, Tom here, um, my commander. Um, just a lot of different stories, a lot, a lot of different advice, a lot of different attributes on what a what defines a true leader. Um, so Rick and Tom, I guess you know, just the military life. When someone shows up late, I always want them to push, and he just enlisted. <laughs> so technically, you could play rank on him. Um, but I guess I'm going to have you both just do a little bit of a segment of a. Drill on him because he just got appointed to deputy chief. So, what are some of the the knowledge or the salt? What's a salt meme? Salt, salt bay. Salt bay. What would you drop on this individual here, Tyler Frank, on uh, on his career and his aspirations and his uh, his leadership? Yeah, I would say um, you know the old saying of if you want to go fast, go alone. You want to go far, go together. Uh, being in a leadership spot, it's not just you. Uh, there's other folks that you can lean on as a leadership team uh, to get the things done that need to get done. So um, always ask questions, network. Um, if you don't know something, just rely on the folks that have been there and understand that they're going to have your back and you have their back when they need you. So uh, it truly is a team effort. It's never just the single person just because they're in the administrative leadership spot. Yeah, I, hey, I, I would throw in, and this applies anywhere, is that, uh, and I love that you're talking about trust, because uh, trust is built upon integrity, and integrity is not just a hallmark of a leader, it should be the hallmark of everyone in the station. The guy that says they'll go out and sweep and doesn't sweep, that's an integrity problem. And, uh, but you talked about building trust and what a lot of, I don't think a lot of people understand trust is an overused watered down word. I think there's aspects to trust that, especially in a firehouse or I tell our cops, all, all, our PD all the time is that trust is so much deeper than that. There's, there's, there's word of mouth. There's vocal trust. Hey man, I got your back, right? I got your back. 
if we ever get into the thick of it, I've got your back. I'm going to be out of the car. I'll be at your side. I'll be, I'll be throwing down with you. There's word, there's, there's trust built upon one's word. But the next level of that is trust that goes further and is built upon action. So when the thing does go down, I'm talking from a cop's perspective, you are out there and you're throwing punches with your, with your, with your guy. You're, you're making a blind entry into a house or here's trust of action in the firehouse is that you're right behind, you're, you've got the hose, your hands are on the hose, you're making entry into the building or you, or you're grabbing the equipment off the truck and you're on his side cutting the body out of a car. That, that's trust of action. But there's something else that's deeper. And we talked that we touched on it in the first hour, but I didn't expound upon it. It's the proficiency aspect. Trust is not fully realized. So you have trust of word, trust of action, and trust of capability. So like in, in the police situation, hey, man, I got your back. If anything ever goes down, I'll be right by your side. I'll throw punches with you. Then boom, something goes down. The, the suspect runs into a house. You're making entry into that house right by his shoulder. That's trust of action. Now there's trust of competency. The, the guy draws a weapon on you. You pull up, you draw, you shut, you hit two center mass on the guy. That's trust of competency. That's a whole nother level. If you, if you enter a building that's on fire and you've got trust of word and trust of action on this guy, he's right by your side, but then he can't turn on the stupid nozzle or when he does turn it on, the water goes flying out the window and not onto the flames. There's a, there's a competency issue. So trust is built at that third level most effectively. So as a, as a new leader, you need to trust of word, trust of action and trust of capability or proficiency. Gain their trust. Gain their trust. I like it. I love it. Uh, so one one little caveat here. So we had a uh, I made a I made a comment on our social media about this podcast being a leadership, and I would love to hear how some of the audience members reflect on their definition of leadership. And there's one that I think the three of us. I don't know, Randy. You may have an opportunity to meet her, but Amy Remick. You remember her? Yes. Oh, of course. Um, so we worked on her in an AMLO's company in Michigan. And uh, she made a comment or made a little uh, pitch for a statement for the show. And is that when it comes to leadership, they need to be willing to not be in the clique and stand up for people being bullied, even when it's their own buddies doing it. So with that being said, in a leadership role, okay, so I'm going to push this on the three of you as a, and Rick, and I'm, I'm pointing to you as well. Um, Cause you're both, you're all sitting in a very high leadership role. So how do you handle your subordinates being bullied by those that are in the same level of you? You know what I mean? So do you stand up for your subordinates and, and prevent the bullying or do you keep your reputation? And I know it's kind of hard because you want to say the right answer, but how do you handle that? Well, what motivates you as, as a leader? There's the folks that are career guys and they're just in it to make their 20 and get their retirement. So whatever is a threat to that, they're going to avoid. And then there's the folks that are there uh, that are truly about the people and truly about the team. So it depends on who's in that leadership spot. I've seen folks on both sides of the coin. Um, ideally, you hope that you have someone that's going to stick up for the team because that has second and third order effects of, again, building trust through action and word. And then, uh, you're able to go train and do great things because you have a more cohesive unit, but that's not reality in a lot of organizations. So 
it's very uh, very dependent on who's in that spot and what kind of person they are. Um, we can all talk on the podcast and say the perfect answer, um, but you really truly see somebody's medal when they're put up to that scenario. Yeah, I think as as a leader, you need to be real cautious that you're acting on accurate perception. So the reason I say that is um, because you can get yourself in trouble if you don't. Um, we're, we're in a guilty until proven innocent culture right now. And it's really easy for someone to... It, uh, workplace bullying is a tricky issue because it's easy for people to claim they're bullied um, when it maybe is not bullying. Um, I think... So conflict is not bullying. Conflict and conflict resolution are not bullying. So I think as a leader... Uh, that first step is discernment. Is this, I, I think they, they say it's bullying. It's got to be, it's got to be, uh, direct. Uh, well, it can be indirect if it's, it's like a mobbing situation, but, but it has to have frequency and it has to have duration. In other words, like it's once a week for several months or, or something like that. Otherwise, it may just be conflict. So I think that putting your discernment hat on first is the, is the first thing. But if, if it's got frequency and it's got um, duration and it's having a negative effect on the target or the organization, absolutely qualifies as bullying and it needs to be confronted. So if he's your contemporary in the, in the hierarchy, Man, I would have no problem doing that, but I'd be cautious before I did to make sure that those elements were in place because accusations are, are easy um, and acting on accusations get leaders in a lot of trouble. I'm great. I'm glad that you made that point about conflict because that's the biggest thing I think that people are very sensitive to is the conflict issue. So that falls kind of like in a for lack of better terms, like a corporate type management type things where, you know, no one wants to be conflict and they'll write it out with black and white. Um, our industries are a little bit different with the attitude that you have to take on the jobs with. And I think the conflict and understanding that is, is how you elevate yourself. So the part with the bullying, I don't really, there's one thing that kind of stands out um, there's in-house and then there's like, I guess maybe lack of action. And, uh, one thing that sticks out to me is when we were kind of cutting our teeth is I, I, me as a new EMT and you just got your, uh, medic Vince was, we had this trainee that was assigned and she ran a couple of shifts with us. Just very, just didn't get it. I mean, there's poor proficiency, there's poor habits, but then there's just some people who just don't get it. Um, and I think Vince put in the most time I've ever seen and the most patience towards that person. And it, I don't know if it was out of respect or to be, I believe you took it as a challenge really to see like, <laughs> I'm going to make this person get through this make phase. And it was, it was, um, I'm, everyone's got that, that, kind of you know story about that one employee that came on that they didn't that was just you know in and out because they weren't even close to where they needed to be but what you did for that person uh, hopefully affected her life on the part that you know kind of is heartbreaking was the results weren't getting there and instead of conflict or re resolution it 
Have you ever had an agency just has that one person that no one likes to work with, and it's like you're the person that's going to get this person to quit because we can't just fire them because you know they're meeting the bare minimum, if that that, and they're maybe they don't have strong standards to hold the um, employee accountable, especially when you get to the volunteer level. It's hard to fire volunteers. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. In the oh, they just stuck her with this other medic and it was i got the ride i had to work a couple shifts with it and it was just wasn't pretty i felt uncomfortable you know and to the point where i had eventually they had to say something because it's like you know it's one you know it's one thing to just you know turn them loose like that but the lack of respect and you're just trying to get this person out of here that was wasn't appropriate so and that was the bullying sense and just the fact of cutting them loose with this person who's very hard-nosed who's very good at covering track so she doesn't the fall doesn't fall where it needs to be and it's just cut and dry and move on and how looking back at that how many do we lose just to retain one right you know what i mean it's like yeah we talked about how to get somebody out and you have to push them out but like same time it's toxic you know it's going to spread it's going to it's going to evolve it's going to take over the environment of the whole workforce and at what point do we just say enough is enough volunteer non-volunteer full-time whatever it is you know but unfortunately politics plays a lot of roles into it but as leaders you have to kind of work around that so i know we spent the last two hours talking about conflict and the closing thought on this because now we're coming up with a little over an hour for this educational aspect i'm going to throw you one last question for the leaders in the room okay so now that we know how we handle conflict how do you handle criticism so, so yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, I'll jump into that because I I I learned early on. Uh, so I cut my chops, uh, kind of my teeth on uh, in graphic art. So that's my undergraduate degree was as a graphic designer. And if you can't take constructive criticism as a graphic designer, you got to get out because uh, every client will tell you your stuff sucks. But the um, but honestly, I think. A leader needs, I, I spoke to it also a little bit in the first hour, being open and vulnerable. Authentic vulnerability in a leader is crucial because criticism criticism can propel you to greatness. However, here's what I, the caveat I add to that. I, I, I uh, a truly um, humble and quality leader will solicit criticism you know what can i do better at that level you know what can i do better what do you see as the deficiencies in myself or whatever uh, in a trusted in a trusted situation but some leaders take it all without enough discernment to reject it and here's here's what i mean by that i've had people tell me well you do this do this do this and so i and it was wrong it was absolutely wrong, did not apply to the situation, nor my leadership style. And you have to have the integrity of the leader say, listen, I hear what you're saying. I can even kind of see how you may have perceived that, but that is not the case. I was, I am not that way. And you stand for yourself in integrity. Now, usually there's a kernel of truth in any criticism. So you got to be open and willing to, to own that and, and do it. But there have been times when I've been accused of something that was absolutely false. And if you, and if you try to do the political thing where you say, well, yeah, okay, maybe, but really it was this. No, I think a strong leader says, absolutely. You're right. And I am 
so sorry. I didn't mean to do that. I didn't mean to cause that perception, whatever, and is humble and repentant of, of uh, egregious actions, but at the same time is equally secure in knowing that that's not the case and articulating that with integrity to the person. So, Yeah, that was perfectly said. Um, I would say, number one, communicating to your team that you're open to criticism is a key first step that opens the doors to the whole team or the whole organization becoming better and realizing that, okay, um, you know, see something, say something. And that way we're going to avoid a lot of long-term detrimental mistakes because we can learn and grow fast as a team. Uh, but as Rick said, you have an obligation to yourself as well to stand up for uh, what's right and not just taking in any criticism and just blindly changing it because uh, your subordinates might take that, I guess, kindness as weakness and start telling you things to manipulate you into their you know, personal agenda, if they see that you're willing to stand up for yourself in scenarios, uh, they're going to respect you for that. So it's, uh, there's that duality of accepting criticism, but also defending yourself when, uh, it doesn't apply. Imagine what it does to an employee or a subordinate or uh, your downline. When, when they come to you, they're scared to death. They're shaking in their shoes, but they feel they need to confront you on something or, or whatever you sit them down at your desk and then you as the leader, you say to them, man, you're absolutely right. I did not realize I was doing that. And thank you. Thank you for coming in and sharing that with me. Hey, would you, uh, I need you to kind of keep eyes on this. I'm going to walk this journey. I'm going to try to make be better in this area and keep eyes on that for me and, and uh, keep me accountable to my improvement in that. Imagine what that would do for a subordinate to instill uh, trust and integrity in in you as a leader uh, by taking that humble stance uh, rather than immediately uh, going into defensive mode. I think uh, I, I wanted to say this earlier and I forgot. I think good leaders do a good job of depersonalizing things, but owning it personally when it involves themselves. So uh, when you talk about organizational uh, problems or things like that, you don't, you, it's not like uh, you're killing the organization, you know, you're doing this or you're doing that. You're able to say, Hey, you know what? We could function better if we all came together around this goal or something like that, where you learn to impersonalize, but not impersonalize your criticisms of you and owning them and taking them on and, and instilling them and even asking uh, your subordinate to, to uh, check back with you in two weeks and, and let me know if I've done better in this area, you know, something like that. Very well said. Tyler, close the thoughts. Well, they covered about every aspect. <laughs> I would say your response to criticism is uh, a priority. If you haven't really even thought about it, because it's not a natural thing to think about. You know, you just criticism is kind of on the fly and then you make your adjustments and go. But if you ever just sit down and think about how you react and not just verbally, physically, I mean, and how you present yourself when you react, that can just set you up. That's just those few small things that you can set up for success. Um, you can really kind of reflect on those and adjust those without anybody. You can just think about them. For myself, I did take things a little personally, not too much on the outside, but on the inside, you know, 
you find ways to work through, work around it. You know, you find the right voices to go listen to and you find the right, you know, people to go talk to that'll listen to you. So, but that's ultimately all, you know, all it is for me is for your mental, <laughs> mental and physical health. Cause it'll wear on a little bit if you haven't addressed how you react. So. Absolutely. You know, then the old adage is true. An ounce of prevention is worth more than a pound of cure. You know, I, when I meet with my leadership team in any given time and whatever I do, even, even in the chaplaincy with uh, OPD, uh, I'm, my, my first question is always, Hey guys, what don't I know that I need to know? Um, you, you're always leading with, Hey, I, I don't know everything. Uh, you know, it's that, you know, I talked about the Jahari window that's, that's played a valuable role in my own, uh, leadership, uh, journey is, is always leading with that question. Guys, tell me what I need to know because you don't know everything. And, and you guys all know two people in the room are way smarter than any one person. I don't care who the one person is. Uh, you, two perspectives is always healthier. So what don't I know that I need to know? And, uh, and you do that in a regular, every meeting you go in, every, every time you're there, you're deflating, you're deflating, you're not allowing things to build up and uh, you're giving opportunity over time for the team to speak into their leader. And, uh, it, you know, it's, it gets toxic. It gets brutal when, when there's no communication. And then all of a sudden the only communication is an explosion. That's yeah. That seems to be the issue we have a lot is, uh, it becomes an explosion at some point. It could be completely avoidable. You know, just set it from the start. I like it. Well, thank you all for hanging around for almost an hour and a half. We will close off. Top, Nifel, any closing thoughts on leadership? You know, anyone can be a leader if they want to be. And I think it's the key is that you have to want to be it. Um, Folks that have that drive, they're going to go educate themselves. They're going to read. They're going to listen to podcasts. (laughs) They're going to watch videos. They're going to talk to people. Um, if you find yourself in a spot where you're put into a leadership position and it's just not your forte, ask people for help. I think that's really tough, but it's very important. Uh, be comfortable asking for help when you need it. Randy. You both gentlemen talked earlier about um, reading. Do you, uh, you guys have any suggestions on different leadership things to read or watch? Or maybe what not to do? Yeah, I would go back to uh, the book I referenced earlier, uh, Start With Why by Simon Sinek. You can also uh, check him out on YouTube. He's got plenty of videos. Um, I feel like he's got a lot of good content. Uh, start there. And then, uh, you know, I've got a whole bookshelf of other books. So reach out if uh, you need other suggestions. Coming over your place, then? <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Rick Curtis, if anybody here in the audience members were highly curious of where to find your information and what you do, where do they go? Uh, you know what? Any social media, um, I kind of fly BR Rick Curtis. My legal name is Brian Richard. So BR Rick Curtis. So Instagram, Facebook, whatever, just put it in slash BR Rick Curtis and you can see some. I do, I do one minute, uh, videos for the, for nonprofit guys, uh, a lot of faith, faith organizations as well as business organizations i do a one minute leadership or one to two minute leadership minute that i i I crank them out i got like 300 of them but um hey i i did want to say one other thing too uh real quick and i won't be long i'm sorry we i know we'll take all the knowledge yeah hey so and i'll i'll 
touch on my my father. I remember my, my dad was a fire captain, um, uh, L.A. City Fire. And years ago, and this is back when a majority of what they did was actually fight fires. I mean, they, they, you know, it seems like that's less and less all the time. But, but um, I remember asking him, he was like two or three years out from retiring. I said, Dad, everybody, all your contemporaries want you to go for chief. Why don't you go for chief? You've got three years left on the thing. Your, your package would be way better as you retire. And my dad's a, a man of integrity. And, and I said, why don't you do that? He goes, no, I don't do that. A lot of guys do that. He says, I'm never going to do it. And he said, plus, if I ever promote beyond captain, I will never touch a hose. That's what he told me. And I, that spoke to me. That spoke to me. Too many people, too many leaders are in leadership for the sake of leadership. And they kind of Peter principle out. They get above their head and they end up losing their job because they're they're after something bigger than themselves. Uh, my dad knew exactly where he wanted to be. He went. He excelled. He promoted up the ladder. He promoted to where he was competent and and loved his job every day, and didn't go a step higher. And so there's something to be said for that. I like you. You blow my mind with that. I mean, it's very true that we once you find something bigger and better that we think we want, you know, in leadership, you're not doing your job anymore. So it's almost like in my right. position, you know, as a flight paramedic, at some rank where I can't be in that position anymore. So do I take a leadership spot or do I stay in my current in- enjoyment? At all, that's something everybody has to think about and take the time to think about. So, well, yep. it's it's all it's all been an honor. And one thing I do always request our guests to do on our show is a state your name, what you do, where you're from, and also state that you are within thin lines. All right, uh, my name is Thomas Neifel. A-N-E-I-F-E-L, uh, from Chicago. Uh, I am within thin lines with the Aeromedical Evacuation Company here in Illinois. I'm happy to be here and hopefully look forward to connecting with some of you listeners uh, down the road. Phenomenal. Well, it's an honor to have you. Mr. Curtis. Yeah, uh, Rick Curtis, uh, B.R. Rick Curtis. Um, I serve all kinds of different things, whether it be uh, business leadership, uh, organizational leadership. Um, I'm a person of faith, um, and so I, I coach a lot of faith leaders. Uh, I find myself within the lines with Oceanside Police Department in Southern California, serving them as chaplain. Phenomenal. And like I said, at some point, we are going to have a little bit of one-on-one episode to give you a chance to really highlight on all your knowledge. So to you both, from us all within Thin Lines, thank you for being here. Thank you for being on the show. And everybody out there, remember that no matter what you do or where you are, just stay within Thin Lines. Okay.